0: It's a great day to pay a minor leaguer, folks. Colt Keith has gotten the bag from the Detroit Tigers. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and today's episode is made possible by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fandor.com slash locked on to get started. Okay, so the Monday mailbag is almost always nothing but questions sent in by listeners of the show. And if you have one, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. We've got email, Discord, YouTube comments, tons of ways to get those questions to us. But before we do that, I want to talk about Colt Keith because he got the bag. On Sunday from the Detroit Tigers. So news has come out. He has signed an extension, and he is now it is now seven players that have signed MLB contracts prior to debuting to getting any service time in the major leagues, and two of those guys this offseason between Colt Keith and Jackson Churio. So this new deal that Detroit has inked him to it is six years. And $28.6425 million guaranteed. It is very exact because we have exact figures. Shout out to the Tigers for being willing to give us exact details on the salaries. He starts off making $2.5 million this year. And that goes up until he's making $5 million for 2028 and for 2029. There are three separate years of club options on the deals with buyouts for all three, and if all three club options are exercised by the Detroit Tigers, then Colt Keith will, it'll be a nine-year deal for $82 million for Colt Keith. So, uh... Why would they do this? And what does this mean for the Tigers in 2024? When you look at what Colt Keith did last year, it's very clear that he deserves to be considered in the top tier of MLB prospects. So 126 games last year between AA and AAA, 306, 380, 522, 27 homers, 68 extra base hits. 60 walks to 121 strikeouts and he went three of five on stolen bases we talked on the Tigers show just on friday back in this feed he was the last prospect that we talked about in the first segment previewing the top prospects in the system and if you remember we talked about the power is easily plus right the contact ability is essentially plus as well colt Keith's power 90th or his his average exit velocity is 90 his 90th percentile was 106 easily plus power contact ability 75% overall contact 84% in the zone he doesn't chase a ton he hits both lefties and righties really well and the biggest questions you have about Colt Keith honestly is defensively can he stay at second they played him a lot at third last year And then they decided towards the end of the year, no, you are going to be a second baseman rather than a third. And so they moved Jace Young out to third base. And Colt Keith is one of the many second baseman, offensive first second baseman in that system. But the thing here with Colt Keith, like again, it's, does he stay at second? And defensively, is he good enough to not hurt you in the middle infield? And then what is the transition period like? As he gets into MLB, you have to believe that like you don't sign a guy to a deal like this if you're not planning on him being the opening day starter at second base, right? You don't pay him this money. And yeah, it's only two and a half million dollars. But you don't pay him this kind of money to start off the year in the minors. It's the same thing with Jackson Churio, which we'll get to in a second. And my expectation is he probably starts the year batting I don't know, 6th or 7th or something. He's not going to be the last guy in the lineup, but he's going to be towards the bottom. I think roster resource on Fangraphs had him 6th. MLBPlayingTime.com, which is a great new resource, by the way. Go check that out. Has him at either 6th or 7th. But I did go in there to Fangraphs, while we're talking about Fangraphs, and pulled up the steamer projections, and then did the adjustment for 600 plate appearances. The initial steamer projections for Colt Keith Only have him, I think, playing 90 games. And I don't believe they have been updated since the deal was signed. So I went in there and adjusted it for the 600 plate appearances. And Colt Keith's rookie season comes out to 261, 326, 427. 17 home runs, 70 runs, 70 RBIs, and four stolen bases. It's it's just over an 8% walk rate, just under a 22% strikeout rate and an estimated 2.1 war, which, fun fact, is the third highest position player total for the Tigers in 2024, according to the Steamer 600 projections. Just really funny to think about, yes, the Tigers finished second in the division, and the odds have them at either second or third in the division in 2024, but their number three performing position player would be just You know, just barely over to war. Just wild to me. We'll see what happens with Colt Keith. It's a really interesting deal. I like the fact that in the worst case scenario, he can be a free agent again at age 28. And in the best case scenario, if they pick up these options because he's been good enough to warrant a 10, 13, and $15 million salary in 30, 31, and 32, he still hits free agency at the age of 31. And hopefully... By the 2033 season, MLB teams are still willing to give money to a guy who is over the age of 30. We'll see what happens there. I also find it really interesting to look at the parallels. Again, we've talked about only now seven players in modern MLB history have signed contract extensions with zero days of service time. And two of those seven have been this offseason. And it's funny because the list of the other five is full of more deals that didn't work out than deals that did. Astros first baseman John Singleton signed for five years, $10 million in 2014. Did not work out. Phillies infielder Scott Kingery signed for six years and $24 million in 2018. Reasonably can argue that didn't work out. Uh, Eloy Jimenez signed for six years and $43 million with the White Sox in 2019. That did work out. Evan White. Six years, $24 million with the Mariners in 2019. Arguably, that did not work out. And then Lubob with the Chicago White Sox. Six years, $50 million in 2020. That did work out. Jackson Churio's deal, and again, we talked about this on the December 1st show. We went all into detail on that contract and everything. It's important to remember that's a slightly different dollar amount and duration of a contract. But... Jackson Churio is also seen as a different caliber of prospect. Depending on who you ask, he's the number two or number three prospect in all of baseball. Whereas Colt Keith, solidly in the top 100, solidly in the top 50, but not in the realm of top three prospects in baseball. And so again, Colt Keith, six years, 28.6 million, and... If the club options are picked up, it becomes 9 years and 82, whereas Jackson Churio got 8 years and 82 million, and if the club options get picked up, it'll be 10 years and 142.5, and he'll still hit free agency at the age of 30. Excited for Colt Keith? Again, it is a great day to pay a minor leaguer. Very excited that this minor leaguer got a major raise, uh, and This should pave the way now for Colt Keith to be the starting second baseman for the Detroit Tigers on opening day. In just a minute, covering some of the questions you guys had from last week's previews, including some detailed conversation about Frank Mazzucato and some more insight that we learned about his performance last year and if it's all attributed to that drop in fastball velocity or not. We'll cover that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, new sponsor alert. Today's episode's brought to you by our friends at Factor Meals. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. You skip the grocery store. You skip the prep work. You skip the cooking fatigue of having to figure out what am I going to make today and then actually doing that. Instead, you get cr- chef-crafted dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. They have over 35 meals to choose from per week, including diet-specific options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, and then over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. I took the liberty of pulling up uh, this week's menu from Factor, and there's some really interesting stuff here. Jalapeno, lime, cheddar, chicken. Fusilli and ground pork tomato ragu. Turkey chili and zucchini. Sunday beef bolognese. You look at next week, February 3rd through 9th, and you've got bacon and spinach shredded chicken. Chorizo chili, smoky gouda chicken. Italian-style pork ragu with cavatappi and garlic broccoli. Really interesting options, right? And then they have, in addition to the ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, Extra protein, extra veggie size, and all kinds of other options to give you the energy, the snacks, everything you could possibly want during your busy day. So head to factormeals.com slash locked on MLB 50 and use code locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. That's code locked on MLB 50 at factormeals.com slash locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. Okay, following up on some of the shows that we did last week and specific guys that either we didn't get to and you guys want to hear about or some more in-detail conversation about some of these guys and what happened. Let's talk about Frank Mazzucato of the Kansas City Royals. We talked about him in on Tuesday the 23rd in that first segment of the Kansas City Royals show. And you'll remember one of the issues for Mazzucato last year was in his 21 starts between single A and high A, 4.65 ERA in 93 innings. And some of the conversation we had there was about there was an inability to keep on weight. He was losing weight. He lost like 15 or 20 pounds over the course of the season. And so the fastball velocity took a drop to somewhere 90 miles an hour on the fastball, whereas he had been sitting lower to mid-90s early in the year and we were asked was it the weight loss that was the primary driver of this or was it the fastball shape and some of the issues with the fastball like what was the primary issue there and then what can be done to to fix it going forward and I think the easy thing to say is obviously finding a way to put on that weight and maintain that weight will help but more so than the shape of the fastball to me just I was talking to some folks last week around the organization, different prospects who knew Frank. Haven't talked to Frank himself, but different prospects who knew him, people who cover the team on a professional basis, things like that. Uh, it, the fastball velocity obviously didn't help. When you go from 93 to 90 or 89, the margin for error is so much smaller. But then also, his command, which was never amazing to begin with, his command definitely took a hit when the fastball velocity dropped. And when you go back and you watch some of the film, it looks like he is putting in a little bit more effort to make his pitches later in the year. And when you increase the effort, we talk about guys with high effort deliveries and things like that, you usually discuss the high effort delivery and the subsequent damage to the control that it does, right? When you are exerting yourself almost max effort, it's harder to be accurate with the ball. Your command, your control suffers versus when you have a lower, moderate effort delivery and you can take a little more care to fin- finally aim it, right? And so as he lost the weight and was trying to find the velocity, he was putting in more effort in the delivery. And he's already somebody who has longer arms and longer arm action. And somebody that I was talking to last week said that it really it feels like yes the weight loss itself is an issue but also there's some strength work that can be done specifically in the lower half of the body that frank Mazzucato doesn't really have enough bulk in the lower body to help provide that stable base and give you that that base of power to help generate velocity with so i think that's something that can be worked on and approached going into 24 but then they also pointed out to me that there's some belief around the organization, around things like that, that he, like when he collided with a teammate in early June, it was like June 1st, right, that uh, he, he went on the injured list. He came back two weeks later, and he was sig- a significantly different pitcher when he came back. So before that collision, and he was still in single A when he had that and when he w- went out but before that collision for columbia he had pitched 46 and a third innings with a 2.14 ERA and a 64% strike percentage okay his swinging strike rate was 16% his his looking strike rate was 16% so it's a 32% CSW we talked we've talked about CSW before called strikes plus whiffs the goal is to try to be around 30% right so he's above that He's having good results. After the collision, he pitched 46 and two-thirds innings. So there's the other half of his season, right? And the ERA in that second half, and again, he was only out for two weeks. But when he came back, a 7-1-4 ERA and a 57% strike percentage. His swinging strike rate went from 16% to 11%. And his his looking strikeout rate, or strike rate, went from 16% to 14%. So your combined CSW is now 25 Now, what's hard about this is he had three starts when he came back in single A Columbia before he moved to high A quad cities. And obviously, if you're having physical issues as far as maintaining uh, weight and the velocity that comes along with that, it makes sense that's going to manifest the farther you go in the year the worse and worse it's going to get but it's just really interesting to me two of the three starts he had after he came back they it was a combined five innings of eight runs allowed and and so i like i really have to just wonder and ask did that have something to do with it? And again, there's people around the organization that believe that collision with a teammate and the injury that came from that bothered him the rest of the year. Too many moving variables to know for a fact which one it was, but I just found that really interesting. And then something else was, apparently he had worked in the off-season in the lab, in the pitching lab, to develop a slider. And he didn't actually start using it in games until mid-August. So he had it, he worked on it in bullpens, he had, again, done it in the offseason, but didn't actually use it until August. And the last four starts of the year, you can see a dramatic difference, not in the strikes, right? Not Not in the swinging strike rates, not in the overall strike percentage, but you can see a difference in the results. So from August 15th to the end of the year, when he whipped out this new horizontal breaking slider, not a true sweeper, but... Mostly sweep, a little bit of vertical drop to it, mostly sweep. 19 innings. This was uh, against Beloit, Wisconsin, Peoria, and South Bend. So, some good teams. South Bend was a good team for the Cubs. 19 innings, 284 ERA. He had a 57% strike percentage, which was the exact same as it was in that second half of the season sample, right? No, no different strike percentage, but the results were significantly different. And then. His swinging st- strike rate, instead of 11% in the second half, it was 12 for this. And then the looking rate, instead of 14 in the second half, it was, again, 14 It's And this is what's hard about some of this prospect stuff sometimes, right? Is we don't... There's so many things that changed in here. He moved up a level. He came back from an injury. He was dealing with physical issues. It's so hard to know. Like he added a pitch in the middle of the sample. It's so hard to know what is significant and what is not, but I just found all of that extra backup information and deep dive stuff I was able to find out about after that show came out last week. Thought it was interesting, wanted to bring it to you guys because the rule of the show and what we try to do here is give the people what they want. In just a minute, quite a few players you guys asked me to dive into, Zebi Matthews of the Twins, Hayu Lee of the Tigers, Mizael Urbina. Of the twins. We'll talk about all these guys next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you are like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, the commercials used to be a thing. Not really. Uh, anymore, anymore. halftime, whatever, it's fine. My favorite part of this is the prop bets for the Super Bowl. Everything from the length of the National Anthem, who's going to score first, wild that we had a safety as the first score in two straight years, all kinds of fun stuff like that, pages and pages of prop bets. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the NFL season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but they have all those fun prop bets. Who will score a touchdown first? How many players will score a touchdown? Which players will score? How many points will be scored? And so much more. So, new customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduelcom slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduelcom slash locked on and make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Final segment of Locked On MLB Prospects here on Monday. And just quick reminder to you real quick that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel, soon to come to Amazon Fire and Roku TV devices. Okay, uh, a couple guys you that y'all wanted to hear a little bit more detail about that we either didn't get to last week or didn't have enough time to talk about last week. Uh, Ryan Pitcher Zebby Matthews of the Minnesota Twins, eighth rounder in 2022 out of Western Carolina, had 22 appearances, 20 of those were starts, in uh, single A and high A for the Twins last year went seven and three with a 384 ERA in and 105 and a third innings. 112 strikeouts, so 9.6 per nine, to 15 walks, 1.3 per nine, and 14 home runs allowed, so 1.2 per nine innings. The thing here with Zebbie Matthews is one of those profiles that has a lot of pitches. None of them are amazing, right? But it the whole package plays up because he sequences them very well and he has very good control. You can see from the the walks, 1.3 walks per nine innings, that he's very good at locating exactly where he wants to go. 14 home runs, 1.2 per nine innings, because when he doesn't locate the right place, it gets rocked. So the fastball, mid-90s, it can touch 96 or so, but from when I go back and watch it, It feels like it plays under its velocity a little bit. And I think some of that might be location. It looks like when he misses, that's one of the few pitches that he misses in the middle of the plate versus missing on the the outside of the plate. So a little bit of work there. But I like the overall arsenal. When you watch, he's got a sweeper, which really good against lefties because it's breaking in on them, right? He's got a vertical breaking curveball. You know how I like all those different directions. He's got a cutter, that comes at around 90 miles an hour, uses it a lot against righties. So he uses the sweeper a lot against lefties and the cutter a lot against righties. Has a changeup as well. I don't think the changeup is anything special, but it just gives you a different visual look, right? You're covering all the directions. You're covering multiple velocity bands. And again, the control is there plus control and the sequencing is there. And so uh, Zebby Matthews feels like a very high floor Option for a starting pitcher, a back into your rotation guy who can go out there, take plenty of innings. And then obviously, the issue is can you make some tweaks to raise the ceiling a bit from a back into the rotation to a middle of the rotation guy? If you can get one of those secondary pitches into a plus pitch, because right now, the sweeper, the cutter, the curveball, they're all average to above average. The change up's the one that's below average. But if you can get any of those into a plus pitch, I think it raises the ceiling from maybe a number five to a number four. And then if the fastball can get a little bit more velocity or vertical break on it, a little better shape, something like that, you could possibly see that plus a better secondary could bring you up into maybe even a number three role potentially for the Twins. So interesting arm. I would expect probably double A, but you could see them send him back to high A. Kind of depends on how they feel after spring training about what they want to do with Abby Matthews. Had a question about Wilmer Flores of the Tigers, the right-handed pitcher. We did talk about him in the se- in the end of the second segment on that Friday show, but about what can he do to to improve next season? It's and he's a really interesting scenario, and I think I touched on this on Friday, but his numbers look a lot better if you take out those two early season blowups, right? Like he gave up thirteen runs in four and a third inning. And if you take out those two blowups, he ends up with a 2.67 ERA in the other 67 innings he pitches before he gets hurt late in the year. I think there's a couple things he has to work on. The fastball velocity needs to be a little bit better. He's sat higher before, and he did miss time with a hamstring injury. I wonder if it had been bothering him for a little while before it got bad enough for him to go on the IL, because the fastball velocity wasn't necessarily where it had been in previous seasons or previous looks that we got at him. And that if you can make the change up a little bit better, I think that's something too that can really uh, give Wilmer Flores another option and kind of keep guys off of a fastball that doesn't have amazing velocity. I still think he's one of the better pitching prospects in the system. He's obviously not number one for them, but I do think that there is still plenty of hope for Wilmer Flores with the Tigers with just maybe some better health, some better luck, and some little bit of improvement to some of these pitches, like you would naturally expect a young pitcher to still improve. Uh, infielder ha Lee of the Tigers was another guy we were asked about. He had originally been with the Phillies, and he moved over to the Tigers in the, the Michael Lorenzen deal. He was the only return for Michael Lorenzen. It was, a to me, a surprising return because we talked about this on Friday. That Tigers team was full of... Offensive first second baseman. And what is Hayu Lee but an offensive first second baseman? It's just it's you're just building the whole ship out of offensive first second baseman. It reminds me of um kind of reminds me of the Marlins and how they made the postseason last year with just a bunch of second basemen all over. Gene Segura at third, louisa Rise at second. Uh you you took Jash Chisholm and put him in center field, just a bunch of second basemen everywhere, and you made the postseason out of it. But 75 games between rookie ball and high A for Hayu Lee. He spent the time in rookie ball because he was hurt multiple times. Had a bruised knee, had a quad strain, and this is after he missed time in 22 with a broken hand. So, the 75 games in between rookie ball and high A. 273 362 399, 6 homers, 22 extra base hits, 33 walks to 65 strikeouts and 16 to 21 on stolen bases. Mostly played second, 55 games there. Did get seven games at short. But the whole thing here is really good at getting on base, good walks, power's not necessarily there. And so the, the, the question here is how can Hayu Lee differentiate himself from the other second baseman in this system? I think being healthy would be great. I wonder if he could get back to some more time at shortstop. The range was the issue, but I wonder if he's fully healthy. Can he kick back out to shortstop and give you at least league average defense at shortstop? So I'm curious to see what he does in 24. I would assume, based on only getting eight games with West Michigan in Detroit's system after the trade, he's probably going to go back there to start 2024. And then outfitter Misael Urbina of the Twins, 102 games in high A, and they were not necessarily good. Had 412 plate appearances. 180, 289, 282. Four homers, 25 extra base hits, 109 strikeouts, 6-9 on stolen bases. The issue for a former top international free agent is he got bigger, he got slower from year to year, but it hasn't manifested in positive ways yet, right? Like his power production, 282, he hit less home runs in high A than he hit the year before in a half-season sample in single A. So he's, he slowed down. He's no longer able to play center. 78 games and left. He did get a couple in center, but they weren't great. 78 games and left. He can't play center. He's not hitting for power. It's like you need this physical development to be beneficial to you, or else you got to get rid of that extra, that extra mass that you have accumulated there. Not writing him off. He is still a viable prospect for the Twins, but you do have work to do because this system already has a lot of lower batting average, higher swing and miss guys, and they at least have power potential like Kalai Rosario, like Emmanuel Rodriguez, and Mazael Urbina at this point does not have that. Fantastic week this week. We're doing the NL East this week, so stay tuned to these farm system previews. It's going to be a really fun time. I, this is my favorite because obviously, as a Braves fan, this is my division. In the meantime, if you got questions for a mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Every other way to reach us, email, discord, all of that in the episode description in the show notes. As the Detroit Tigers has re- have reminded us, it's a great time to pay a minor lien.